Hi everyone, it's Alex Breck here and I'm delighted to say I finally got my first audio book uh, produced. Uh, it's been narrated by the wonderful Chris Barnes and it's on the ACX platform available on Audible and very shortly iTunes as well. So I've dropped a link somewhere around uh, this podcast message and you can uh, listen to a sample of the, the book uh, uh, just shortly. So it is He Who Pays the Piper. It's the first Ridge Walker thriller. It's been called a darkly comic romp across Central America. It's the main character is a Scottish uh, reluctant hero drawn into a whole uh, cavalcade of uh, mischief and adventure in Central America. Uh, so have a have a listen uh, today uh, to the first few minutes of He Who Pays a Piper and uh, hopefully you can grab it on uh, Audible. And uh, good news if you enjoy that, uh, you can obviously get the, the book on print and ebook. I am almost finished now, the fourth Ridgewalker uh, thriller uh, in the series. So I'm hoping to have that published uh, across all platforms uh, by the summertime. So that's it from Alex Breck. I hope you enjoy my quirky and not for the faint hearted uh, roller coaster adventure, He Who Pays the Piper. Bye bye. He Who Pays the Piper The Ridge Walker Novels Written by Alex Breck Narrated by Chris Barnes Chapter 1 all the leaves are brown. The creature was clearly suffering under the unrelenting intensity of the midday sun. To look at the shriveled facial features, incandescent white with black pinprick eyes, it seemed certain that he must have been cruelly evicted from the sanctuary of a nocturnal habitat. There were no obvious injuries on the outside of the body, but as he darted in and out of any available areas of blessed shade, it was possible to hear quiet wailing sounds emanating from deep within, indicating the likely occurrence of serious internal injuries. He had felt better, it was true. Possibly he could blame it on a popular excuse in these parts. He'd been abducted by aliens who had conducted depraved mental and physical experiments on him, leaving him this pathetic remnant of his past glory. Unfortunately, he feared that he alone was responsible for his latest predicament. Plus, to sweeten his day further, he had just been fired. Yes, again, as he emerged from the relative cool of the narrow, dusty minna onto busier Fifth Street heading up to market and home, he suddenly panicked at the hellish vision before him. The broad street wriggled wetly in the heat, and the clear blue sky did nothing to dampen down the clamorous honking of the rushing vehicles. Stumbling at the litter-strewn roadside, he muttered various foul entreaties to the world, and headed instead for the alternative existence of the Loch Ness. Downtown San Francisco on a Saturday afternoon was no place for a poor Scots lad with the mother of all hangovers. Sliding through the door, he held his head low and found his way over to the bar, as if possessed with some internal guidance system. He pulled himself up onto a stool with some difficulty and rubbed at the dried blood stuck to his unshaven cheek. His long, pale fingers were shaking as he searched the pockets of his coat for a cigarette. Inhaling deeply, he finally raised his head and flint-grey eyes looked around the bar measuredly, devoid of any interest. 
back again, he said inwardly. The Loch Ness was an Irish bar run by two Thai women who wouldn't have been able to locate either Scotland or the Emerald Isle on a map if their lives depended on it. Somehow though, in the crazy amalgam of life that typified this city, bars like these had survived every fad and they were a common habitat for sad bastard runaway Europeans like Richard Walker Esquire. The best thing about the Loch Ness was that it was always open and that his ethnic authenticity guaranteed him admission. The worst thing about it was that it was always open. Hi, Rich, you okay? Look like shit today. You want a Jim Beam, no ice? No, Mama-san. Just give me a bud for now. You've got a hell of a way to go with that customer-focused crap. You'll be back again tomorrow, I know, she stated, with a certainty that shook him more than a little in his beleaguered state. It was true he had popped in a few times in the several months he had been living in San Francisco. It was also true that he had the highest score on the antique arcade game against the wall there, and that the pool table sitting in front of the long bar had earned him as much as any paid work he might have done. The Loch Ness was an uncannily appropriate moniker for one such as him to gravitate to. Like its famous namesake, the bar was also murky and dark, frequented by deluded arseholes, blindly searching for a thing they could never understand, which might lend some kind of meaning to their crap existence. If you knew where and when to look, there was also the wee matter of the Scottish monster attraction. Although this one was a tad puny, and not a little bit peely-wally when measured up to his more illustrious cousin. As he sat, elbows propped up on the sticky bar top, Ridge surveyed the scene before him and tried to take stock of his present situation. It was only natural, he told himself, that when so far from home, he should feel the need to seek out solace from others like himself who were travelling. In those situations, it was important to socialise and get out and about as much as possible. There was no point in being halfway around the world and then sitting in contemplating your belly button fluff, was there? After all, most of the jobs he had found had been through this hallowed emporium of the alcoholic beverage. Unfortunately, he had been spectacularly unsuccessful at holding on to any of them for too long. He discovered that being a great computer programmer cut no ice when you were stuck a hundred foot up a ladder with a forty-pound bag of sand over your shoulder. He had applied himself to the social side of the task with some zeal he had to admit, and if there ever was a spare place in the Manic Street Preacher's lineup then he surely had the liver for it. Four years of university life in Scotland had prepared them well for this. The beer was weaker over here, and the pool table offered easy prey after so many hours crouched over snooker tables in his student union bar back home. He could see two lads over near the toilets who had gap-eared tourists stamped all over them, gulping their bottles of domestic beer with barely concealed disdain whilst looking over constantly at their virginally clean backpacks. They were nervously trying to attract the attention of the pool players, unsure of the protocol. He thought for a moment whether to fleece them or teach them how to survive the all-important first few hours, but he turned away and gave up any thoughts of monetary gain as the floor swam and queasy Dali-esque memories of the previous day and evening hit him like a train. There had been no presage of impending doom as he'd sat here on Thursday with Eric, just two regular guys having a quiet drink on the way home from work. Besides, 
Eric was, of all of his acquaintances here, the most straight arrow of the bunch. He'd originally fled Switzerland to avoid military service and found himself in California, a place so screwed up, as he was so fond of recounting, that they said someone once tilted up America and all the crazies landed here. He was a carpenter, and his mastery of wood had ensured him regular work at the construction company, but his slavish attention to detail and unswerving good nature made him something of a paragon. However, apart from that, he was okay. So when Eric suggested they swing by a new sculpture exhibition down towards the mission district, with the promise of a beer and a muy picante burrito after, Ridge was all for it. He lost Eric about midnight. <laughs>